Welcome to The Concierge CPA. I'm Jackie Meyer, founder of The Concierge Accountant Program and Tax Plan IQ software. This is a podcast for accounting firm owners and influencers who are pursuing world-class service. We discuss their path to excellence, their daily habits, and what influences them and their work. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around till the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go, y'all. Welcome, everyone. I have a very special guest today. I still can't believe he agreed to be on my tiny little new podcast, Jordan Rayner. He is my favorite author by far, uh, also my favorite podcaster. And we'll talk about your podcast a little bit later. And I am just so super excited. So I'm going to call you. Oh, you're excited too? I'm pumped. Awesome. All right. And my week with a fun podcast with Jackie. Yeah, I'm all about it. Woo. Okay. So I would describe you as like an unapologetic Christian entrepreneur. Uh, you wrote my favorite book, Redeeming Your Time, which is all that yellow in your backdrop, which is genius, <laughs> by the way. Um, and you've run several successful companies. I cannot cite the Bible like you do, but I can cite the tax code pretty well. And so I think <laughs> we're kind of equals in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And Respect. then- yeah. And I also want to mention you have a newer, you know, new children's book that yeah. I love called The Creator in You. And it really bridges some amazing concepts that I've learned through my participation in C12, yeah. but also through a doctorate I'm doing at Regent, where you're analyzing like the work that God has assigned us to take on and continue his progress. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think a lot of people today view work as a meaningless means to an end. Yeah. Or on the opposite end of that spectrum, uh, a means of proving to the world, proving to our friends, proving to our LinkedIn connections and our parents that we're special, that we're unique, that mm -hmm. we are, we would never say this out loud, better than them. Right. And the biblical narrative of the Judeo-Christian Bible is that the primary purpose of work is to reflect the character of a creative working God, right? Uh, Christianity is unique in saying that God himself works. Every other religion says that the gods created human beings to work and serve the gods. Only Christianity says that God himself worked as a means of serving mm. us. And that's radical. And as Christians, we believe that we are made in God's image that means we are made to be like him, to work like him, to act like him. And so what that means for our work is work is fundamentally about service. As I say in this kid's book about bringing joy to the world and mm -hmm. to the father too. And I think when you can get there, you can approach the work just for the sake of doing great work and not having to get something out of the work that work was never designed to provide. Yeah. For sure. That's awesome. Okay. Do you want to tell us anything else about you if I butchered that intro or do you want to dive intro. into my billion let's questions? Let's go. Let's dive in. Let's dive in. Okay. So I want to start with the book, Redeeming Your Time. I have listened to it so far twice a year, last year and this year. 
and I'll continue probably re-listening or reading it twice a year here on out because there's so many practical nuggets of information. That's why I loved it so much. As an accountant, which you say your wife is as well, so you're used to dealing with us uh, little quirky weirdos. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just love the practicality of the book. Thank you. I was tired of reading. I've read every perennial bestseller in the time management category, all of them. Uh, I've probably read 50, 60 books in this category. And I was tired of books that were either, um, most of them were too theoretical. They mm-hmm. told me what to do, but they didn't tell me exactly how to do it. And the ones that did were so prescriptive that they left no margin for creativity and making the practice as my own. It was kind of like, you got to follow my system and do it exactly like I do or you'll fail. And I tried to just take a very different approach with this book of, hey, here's some really practical ideas to get you started for redeeming your time. Mm -hmm. But go in the kitchen and take these raw ingredients and make it your own. Make some other splendid dish with these uh, with these practices, whatever works for you as a CPA, as an entrepreneur, whatever it is. So but yeah, the practicality is kind of at the heart of this thing. Yeah, for sure. So let's kind of go a little bit about each of the main, what, seven principles that you go through in the book. And the first one, most important, start with a word. I'm so bad at this, Um, but finding meaningful connection with the author of Time Daily, right? And you are very clear in the fact that you believe that Jesus is the solution to time management through his best practices, right? Which sounds insane. No, it's awesome. I love it because I love analyzing Jesus as like the human side of him and how we can mimic that versus like him just being so far away from us and unreachable in our daily actions, right? Totally. And what I love about this is uh, Christian or not, I, I think it would be pretty hard to dispute that Jesus of Nazareth is the most productive human being of all time. Exactly. High magazines called him the person of the last two millennia. Half of the world believes he was and is God. Right. And, you know, it's funny. It's it's how arrogant of us not to study the life of Christ, who Christians believe is the author of time to learn how to manage our time today because he stewarded the same 24 hour day that we have to steward for 33 years. The problem is we don't read the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, we don't read them for what they are, which are biographies, right? We think Mm. of them as solely sources of theology and ethics, but they're biographies. And they show us, as you pointed out, Jackie, I think at least seven timeless principles for managing our time. The first one is, yeah, start with the word. Jesus prioritized time alone with this heavenly father above everything else. We got to do the same thing. If we want to redeem our time for things that last. And if you're a Christian, that's the word of God. If you're not a Christian, that's some other set of values that's outside of yourself, something bigger than yourself, bigger than today's do list and bigger than whatever's on your calendar for the day. Yeah, that's great. I love it. So, you know, a lot of people think, oh, well, I'm going to do X, Y, Z, right. And that will equal peace for me. And then you flip the script and said, no, Peace allows us to do X, Y, Z and Jesus equals peace, yes. right? Yes. I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. loved it. <laughs> and listen, I'm able to write this 
after years of searching for peace in all the wrong places. Uh, mm-hmm. Honestly, a lot in time management books and, and productivity books, because all these books promise the same thing. That if you follow the author system perfectly, you're gonna you're never gonna be stressed again. <laughs> you're, you're always gonna feel peaceful. And we all know this is a ruse, right? Uh, and it wasn't until a few years into my career, I would have called myself a Christian at the, at the time, but functionally I, I wasn't, where I realized Jesus is the only satisfactory source of peace for me. I believe for the world, because I believe that Jesus died for me when I was his enemy, when I was his enemy. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if I can believe that, I can believe that he loves and accepts me regardless of how productive or unproductive I am today. That's what gives me peace. But ironically, it's also the thing that makes me want to be wildly ambitious to go be productive tomorrow. Not because I need to. Yeah. Because I want to. It's the difference between working to earn somebody's favor, which is exhausting, and working in response to unconditional favor, which in my experience is intoxicating. Yeah, for sure. And another thing from, you know, probably I related to this kind of area of the book was uh, really mind blowing for me as well. You know, we're all about what is my purpose? What is my purpose? What is my purpose? Why can't I find my purpose? Because we're looking inside ourselves to find our purpose when we didn't create ourselves. Yeah. So of course we don't know our purpose. God created us and he's the ultimate guide to our purpose, right? Yeah. It's so funny. There's so many books in this category, so much content in this category, finding your mission in life, finding your purpose. Yeah. This isn't something you get to dictate. A car doesn't get to dictate the purpose of the car. Only the manufacturer of the car gets to dictate a purpose for a car. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you believe that we are created by God, um, he alone gets to define our mission. And ironically, that's actually incredibly free, right? Like I'm off the hook for going on this wild goose chase to like find my life's purpose, which P.S. sounds so exhausting and daunting. Like I don't want to be responsible for defining my life's purpose, right? And knowing that it's been defined by somebody else frees me up to find my unique expression for how I'm going to live out that mission. Mm-hmm. And so you believe that that mission, which I agree, is to glorify God in yeah. all that you do, right? I do. And it's such a churchy word. It can lose its meaning. What does it mean to glorify God? I I, I think in its most simplistic form, to glorify God is to bring him pleasure, to make his name great, to do things that just make him happy. What makes God happy? Uh, Obeying his commands to work with excellence, right? To work with love, to show radical generosity and mercy and grace to other people. And I think when we do those things, regardless of our vocation, you don't have to be a pastor to be loving and gracious. You don't have to be a a priest in order to do excellent work, whatever it is. Uh, The work of a CPA creating order out of chaos. That's God's (laughs) work. That's God's work. I'm serious. You look at Genesis 1, um, there was chaos and God brought order to that chaos. That's what my wife does as a CPA. That's what you do, Jackie, in your work as a CPA. And when done in accordance with God's commands, I think that brings him pleasure, i.e., I think that glorifies him. 
Yeah. I've always struggled with this idea that you have to be this like missionary in another country to be truly like working for God. And so it's just been the past like decade or so as I've started my own businesses and and saw how you go from this big client focus to like taking care of your team focus, that it kind of has all come together in the fact that like we can uh, do his good work in all of the work that we're doing. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> this is why I wrote the, this, this kid's book, the creator and you, um, there's a lot of talk in churches today, really for the last 200 years about the great commission, which could be missionaries living overseas to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Great God on your work. I'm all about it, but it's worth noting that long before the great commission, there was the first commission from God to human beings to just create and make more of this world. And that commission is never, ever rescinded, ever, even after sin enters the world. In fact, it's the only commission that's never going to be rescinded because that's what we're going to be doing in heaven. When heaven comes to earth on a new earth, Christians believe we're going to be working forever, filling this earth, making more of it alongside God. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a wild idea to think about. But yeah, it just assigns great dignity and meaning to the work that we do. All of this can be God's work in the world. Okay. So principle number two, which I think is funny because you say so a lot in your, your audible book. And I'm like, yes, I'm a so person too. <laughs> Has anyone ever said that? No, but that's an accurate, that's an accurate read. Okay. Yeah. So principle number two, let your yes be yes and accept only the commitments you can fulfill. Sounds really simple, but super hard to do, right? Crazy hard to do, especially in our modern context, um, because we're saying yes in a million different places. We're saying yes to things in starred emails, uh, on post-it notes, on digital to-do lists, and in our heads. The problem is, and David Allen Uh, in his great book, Getting Things Done, wrote extensively about this. The problem with that is when you have all of these commitments in a million different places, it creates a phenomenal amount of anxiety and stress because your brain knows it can't keep track of it all. Mm -hmm. So if we want our yes to be yes, like Jesus commanded, right? We've got to be able to externalize and centralize all of those commitments that we're making. And what I call in the book, a commitment tracking system, uh, which is a really simple concept. It's just a single location to store all your commitments so that you don't drop the ball and that your yes is yes. And so that you could do the work with a lot less anxiety and stress. Yeah. So you define stress as unkept agreements with yourself and others. And our, this was interesting. I really identify with this because it's true. Our minds are like open loops and yeah. it's like Ram, right? So they need to be closed out. And the only way we can do that with all the overwhelm is to just get it out of your mind onto paper. Well, I mean, you know, electronic paper or whatever, um, you know, prioritize it that way. Right. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people think, well, yeah, I got a lot of to do's running around in my head because I don't have time to do them. Right? It's actually faulty thinking if you look at the neuroscience. What the neuroscience says is you don't have to complete the task in order for your brain to forget about it. All you have to do is get the task out of your head and into a trusted external system, and then your mind can be at ease. You know, if you've ever been a week before vacation 
or a week before your wedding, whatever it is, and you had to make a to-do list. You've proven this out, right? You you sat down, you had to make a to-do list, you finished the to-do list, and when you got to the end, you felt some semblance of peace even though you didn't finish a single thing on the list. And in chapter two of this book, Redeeming Your Time, I'm promising that forever in perpetuity, every hour of every day, because you have a system in place to capture all of those open loops. Yeah. Now, principle number three is descent from the kingdom of noise. So creating room for silence, stillness, reflection. Um, I The most interesting fact out of that chapter to me was that distractions negatively impact our intelligence yeah. twice as much as marijuana. Yeah. yeah. How about that? Crazy. <laughs> Pretty wild, right? Yeah, Pretty, super wild. wild. I think this is a study out of Stanford. Yeah, and when you look at Jesus and how he lived his life, he spent a crazy amount of time away from noise. He spent a crazy amount of time in quiet solitude, what the gospel biographies called lonely or solitary places, right? I think he did that because he knew as human beings, we need silence to just think, to be creative, to listen to the voice of God. There's a reason why most of us have our most creative ideas in the shower, because it's pretty much the only place on earth that's not totally drenched in news and information and noise, right? Yeah. You got to get good about dissenting from the kingdom of noise if we want to grow our practices, our businesses, whatever it is. But there's a rightful fear that people have. And I myself have gone through this of fearing of being alone, so to speak, or being by yourself with God, with your thoughts and, you know, having to kind of make your heart right. Uh, is there a particular tip that you could give to help people get over that? You're asking, this is a crazy wise, crazy deep question. I, yeah. Because I do think most people are afraid of silence. I think if we actually had silence, we'd be afraid that we'd be bored or that we would have to confront some of the big questions about life that frankly we're avoiding with all of this noise and entertainment, there's no quick, easy tip <laughs> to solve for that. Other Darn. than, other than you got to lean into it, right? Yeah. Because without silence, no great serious thinking is possible. No great serious work, I don't think is possible. So you got to push through that fear. You just got to grit through it, right? If you will. Uh, and ask those hard questions if those are the hard questions you're hearing in the silence in order to get to the other side. Yeah. And then treat boredom or silence as like a skill that you grow, right? Oh I thought God. that was really interesting. You got to like work out boredom muscles. I have to do this. I'm still doing this, yeah. right? Uh, I'm not comfortable being bored naturally, but I put myself in more positions to be bored. For example, I was on a plane yesterday. And typically when I'm walking down the jetway, right? I'll be checking my phone, whatever it is. And yesterday I was like, I'm just going to be bored. I'm not going to touch my phone for the moment I scan my ticket to the moment I sit in my seat. Mm -hmm. That was hard, but I'm intentionally working out that muscle because yeah. I know that ultimately boredom leads to the best ideas, the most creative breakthroughs, et cetera. Okay. So principle number four is prioritize your yeses. So confidently maintaining your commitments. And I really liked the concept of OKRs. Yeah. So objective with key results. And this is something that huge corporations like Google have 
put all of their success towards, right? Or credited to. Um, so tell us a little bit more about how that formula works. Yeah. Listen, at the end of the day, OKRs, which stands for Objectives and Key Results, is just a goal-setting framework. But in my opinion, Google's opinion, Wikipedia's opinion, Nike's opinion, whatever, it's the best goal-setting framework out there because it does a great job of marrying aspirational, inspirational goals with tactical, measurable goals that CPAs love, right? Yes. Uh, a good example of an objective would be, um, uh, so, uh, all right, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of one right now on my plate right now this quarter, uh, significantly grow revenue so that we can double our team, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's inspirational. I want to double my team, but that's not measurable. The key result is where that gets measurable. Key mm-hmm. result of launch new product with X amount of revenue by the end of the quarter, or uh, take churn from, you know, 10% to 5%, whatever it is, right? That's the tactical stuff. So that's why I love OKRs. I'm a huge fan of the framework. And in Redeeming Your Time, I show readers exactly how to draft them. I even share a lot of my own personal and professional OKRs to get you to start thinking about what this might look like in your own work. Yeah. Your website has a lot of really handy, like spreadsheets, very detailed stuff. It's super cool. Yeah. Uh, well, to accountants. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right, cool. right. All right. Um, and then principle number five, accept your unipresence. Focus on one important thing at a time. And you mentioned specifically intentionally neglecting anything that's not on your top five, right? Yeah. And yeah. that's really, really, really hard to do. There's so many distractions. As entrepreneurs, we're like, oh, squirrel, you know, squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. Oh, this is such a cool idea. We have to do that. And it is so hard on a team. I know with my team, they were like, you have got to settle down with these ideas, right? Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on that? No, I mean, it, it's, I'm a huge Hamilton fan, mm-hmm. huge. And there's this line I think about, all the time with regards to focus, because I'm like you, I'm the entrepreneur, big, shiny object, whatever. Uh, It's actually a riff off a line. It's uh, the line I repeat to myself all the time is you don't get a win unless you stay in the game, right? Mm -hmm. Entrepreneurs are always redefining the game. We always want to move on to the next game because we're bored with the game that we're playing. Yeah. But you can't get a win unless you stay in a game long enough to win the game, to get to the fourth quarter. So, I, I, yeah, I, I think it's really important if we want to do great deep work and really move the ball in our businesses to stay committed to a set of goals for a serious period of time, at a minimum three months, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe even longer. Yeah. All right. Number six, embrace productive rest. So, interestingly enough, you say the more busy you are, yeah. More time with God you actually need, which is completely opposite of what anyone would expect, right? Yeah. And I only say this because this is what we see Jesus, the most productive person of all time model. The busier he got through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you could follow the narratives, the more time he spent alone. And I think it's because when things are crazy busy, we got to pull away from our to-do lists and our emails and our schedules to ask what really matters, right? Refocusing on those North Star goals, on those values, whatever you want to call them. For me, it's the word of God and say, okay, 
out of the billion things I could be doing right now, what matters most, right? Based on what I see in this word. And so, um, yeah, I'm super busy, right? My, my career keeps getting busier and busier, but I find myself yearning to spend more time in the word precisely because of that. Yeah, cool. And, you know, another example that you have of Jesus in particular uh, is like the 40 days that he spent in the wilderness yeah. to prepare for his entire ministry, right? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. He, he, he comes up out of the waters at his baptism and a voice from the heavens says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, right? If there was ever a moment where Jesus should start talking, that's the one. Right, like he's still <laughs> preaching. A voice of the heavens just basically said, "This is God," uh, and instead he went to the wilderness for forty days of silence. Oh, That'll preach, right? Yeah, it, 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 <laughs> that that should radically change how we think about silence and solitude. Yeah, for sure. Okay, and then number seven: eliminate all hurry, embrace yeah. productive busyness while ruthlessly not reducing hurry, but eliminating hurry from our lives. Yeah. Gosh, that's really tough. So, um, I like to quote from the book about creative people and them saying that, well, I can't be confined to a certain schedule or whatever. And shout out to accountants because you say top creative people think like artists, but work like accountants. Yes. And I would say that that defines me too, even though I am actually an accountant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, this defines my life. Like I, I, I'm married to a CPA. So shockingly, I am terrible with numbers, horrible <laughs> with numbers, but I plan my day out like a CPA would, right? Super rigorously accounting my time because this is the solution to eliminating hurt. I believe we should be crazy productive, crazy busy, very full lives, very full schedules. The difference between busyness and hurry, though, is you know, busyness is this is this outward condition. It's having a lot of things to do. Hurry is an inward condition where I can feel my soul being torn because I'm constantly rushing from one thing to the next. And the only way to stop rushing is to start budgeting, right? Budgeting your time. All of my friends have a financial budget. Before I wrote this book, almost none of my friends had a budget for their time. This is asinine to me. I, I legitimately don't understand it. By God's grace, all of us can earn more money. None of us can earn more minutes, though. Mm -hmm. How much more intentional should we be about it? And so you're right. I think we can be creative, lean into that entrepreneurial bent, but think and plan our time like accountants. And that's, th that's the way that we stay on the right side of that busy, hurried divide. Yeah. So in your words, accounting for the cost of our time, right? That's exactly right. Jesus said, count, this is, this is a direct from the gospels. He told his disciples to count the cost of following him. I would argue we got to count the cost, not only of that, but of our time and getting really good at measuring that before each day. Yeah. It's interesting that you don't seem to mind that word busy, but I like the explanation you just gave of like the difference between the internal hurriedness, yeah. because you go around and you ask someone, how are you? And they're like busy yeah, yeah. and you're like, oh geez, they're a mess, you know?
Yeah. Yeah. I think there's enough nuance between these two words. That's like really important actually. Right. Because I want to have a busy life. I want to leave it all on the line for the sake of my bride and my kids and the work I get to serve, right? The people I get to serve through it. But I I just want to do it in a life-giving way, in a way that is productive and peaceful, in a way that is busy, but not soul-sucking, right? I'll give you like a really practical example. Like I know I'm busy on, on Monday, for example, flying to Atlanta to give a speech. It's a very busy day. I got a lot going on. I'm giving three speeches in one day. I got to meet up later that night. That's a busy day. But I I know I'm not going to be hurried because I have tons of margin in between those things so that if one thing goes long, that's okay. I'm still going to have time to think in between those meetings and speeches. I'm still going to have time to look other human beings in the eye if I just stumble into someone in the hallway that I want to talk to. I'll give you another example. Tomorrow, Saturday, I got a lot of errands to run. I'm busy tomorrow. I'll know that I'm hurried though if I get pissed off for choosing the quote unquote wrong line at the grocery store because I couldn't afford the 30 seconds I lost choosing lane three instead of lane four. Yeah. That's the difference I think between busyness and hurry. That makes sense. Yeah. So you mentioned like over budgeting your time in the book. So if it's an hour schedule, an hour and a half or 30 minutes, 40, I love that. Um, you're probably going to hate this concept, but I've always said, well, I've kind of developed this idea that like Jesus wasn't efficient, but he was the most effective person in the yeah. world. Yeah. I buy that. Okay. <laughs> Good. Woo. Yeah. Because yeah, I, he, I mean, he was not running around like crazy No. and he didn't take shortcuts and he was not multitasking. Right. Right. No, that's exactly right. And listen, there are times in the gospels where he's fully focused on one thing at a time, even in the face of distractions, but there are other times where he welcomes distractions, right. Mm -hmm. In service of others. Right. Um, And so that's not efficient technically, but it's effective because it's what he came to do was to preach the gospel in word and deed and, and showing love to others. Cool. I got Jordan Rayner's approval. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on my statement. Okay. Love it. I like it. <laughs> now, is there a particular comment that, or feedback that someone's given you about your books or podcasts that really stood out to you, like about how it's impacted their life or anything? Man, it's a really good question. Oh, the stories I hear that, that, that come to mind first, and maybe this is because I'm, I'm writing a book on this topic right now. Um, are stories like the one I heard from a woman named Chassie Anders. Chassie was told, she, she, she became a Christian late in life as an adult. And she was told pretty explicitly by her church, if you really love Jesus, you'll go be a missionary in China. Mm-hmm. So she did. She and her husband moved to China for two years. And they got there and they enjoyed the work. But Chassie was deeply depressed because she realized this just isn't me. It's just, it's just not me. And so they came back. She opened up a hair salon. And um, she's used it in some really beautiful ways to just love people well, love customers well, and tell some people about Jesus. But 
her finding my books and my podcast were what freed her to do that work without guilt, freed her to do that work, knowing that um, all work, all good work, legal, ethical work that contributes to human flourishing is God's work in the world. Uh, So those stories, that's why I do what I do. Yeah, that that's amazing. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> I'm not a crier, I promise. And she's um, a fellow Texan, so <laughs> not that go for. So now you mentioned this earlier that this book doesn't necessarily just apply to Christians, right? Have you had people that come up to you and you're like, they're like, I'm not a Christian, but <laughs> like this book jives with me. Like I oh, totally get it. I was in Charlotte yesterday talking to uh, a mass mutual corporate event. Most of the room were not Christians and they loved it. They loved it. Here's why. Again, I said it before, I'll say it again. Christian or not, please debate me that Jesus is the most productive person of all time. Like nobody could could dispute this, right? Very hard to dispute. And so I... Listen, I think people are swamped. I think people are overwhelmed. I think people have tried all the productivity books and nothing seems to stick. And I think they are desperate for anything, any solution to where they could be wildly productive at work and fully present at home. And I think Jesus is the answer. And I think people, Christian or not, are open to any answer uh, to to those questions and those problems. Yeah, for sure. So I'm studying in my doctorate. It's at a Regent University, which is a Christian yeah, university. Awesome. Um, leadership is the focus. And so it's the same concept. You know, whether you're a Christian or not, Jesus was by far the most infamous leader of all time. And yeah. so we need to be learning from him, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He, there's a lot of words that are, are like, man, he just really topped the list on those. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned also the cost. Let's see. It was accounting for the cost of your time. What will it cost somebody if they're not getting this right? What does it cost them, their family, the world? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great, it's a great question. the, The cost is exorbitant. Number one, I, I think this in the most extreme cases can cost you your family yeah. if you're not getting the i mean i've heard so many horror stories of um just parents who are physically present with their kids but not present with their kids because they were constantly answering emails after work because they were constantly distracted by by to-dos running around their head that weren't in their commitment tracking systems, whatever, all these things I talk about in the book, right? So I, I think that's number one. You know, I, I, I think the cost too is just not doing as many good works as you feel like you can do in a lifetime, right? I, I, think, I think people's number one fear, most people's number one fear is just an ineffective life, like a life that... um never made a mark in this world. I, I think that's why we care about redeeming our time. Now, as a Christian, I believe that Mark's not about me. It's not about my legacy. It's about something much, much greater than that, right? Mm-hmm. But I think anyone wants to do work that's going to outlive them, work that's going to last a long time, work that's going to leave a mark. And that's a pretty strong motivation for redeeming our time. 
Yeah. All right. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I have a few more very exciting questions for me. Let's do it. So, um, do you work around, do you walk around work every day, like kumbaya with everybody, or do you have normal, like crap that happens at your job and like, it's total like secular environment still. Oh, yeah. How do you still stay grounded through all that every day? Yeah, totally. So, um, I'm still executive chairman of a big tech startup that I used to run as CEO. I was actually at the office today, this morning. Okay. Um, and yeah, so I still very much work in those environments. I think a lot of people feel like committing to Jesus Christ means being a kumbaya Christian, right? I, they, I, <laughs> but I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm a relatively normal guy who got coffee with my team this morning and is going to get a beer with them later tonight. Like, I, I don't know. Like, um, Jesus apprenticing yourself to Jesus, committing your life to Jesus, falling under his leadership doesn't necessitate changing uh, the, the way you do your life, your personality in dramatic ways. It's in a way finding out who you really are, like at, at, a, at a really foundational level. So yeah, it's a quick answer to that question. Okay. <laughs> now, Moving on to a little bit about the accounting industry, it's really screwed up and crazy. Uh, we work in an industry where people are aging, they're you know yearning for retirement, they're stuck in the bed they kind of made for themselves as an entrepreneur because they're doing all the work. You know, we're impacted by the great resignation just like anybody else. They've been running a CPA firm for 30 years. Um, it is really hard. I actually just got asked to do my first keynote speech, which I'm super excited about, but I was warned that it's a lot of elderly men that don't want to listen to innovation or change. Yeah. And so I guess my question is what advice would you give to me in that situation, but also to anybody to like continue inspiring people, even like as they're getting older to, you know, get out of that rut and like really, you know, start redeeming that time. Yeah. That's a great question. I, I yeah, think number one, you got to have a lot of empathy. Number two, you got to say it in a really winsome way. And number three, you just got to recognize that you're never going to change everybody's minds. You yeah. can't win them all. Right. Uh, to quote one of my favorite lines from my all-time favorite show, the West wing, they'll like us when we win. Right. Like, I don't know, like some people are never going to get on board, but they're going to like you when they realize five years down the road that, oh, man, she was right about that all along. That's when they're going to like you. And maybe not in the room. OK, so just wait five years and you'll be just wait five years. Yeah, that's awesome. That I, mean, I know everyone's not for everyone. I definitely understand that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, accounts get stuck in the numbers so much. But, you know, I truly believe that we care about people and want to help people in our own special way. Tell me more about how you view accountants and their kind of like kingdom purpose. Oh, man. Yeah. I, again, I'll, I'll hit on what I was saying earlier. It's really about bringing order into chaos. I, I think accountants are storytellers. Like accountants can tell stories with numbers in some pretty mm -hmm. powerful ways, right? It just it's making sense of something that is otherwise chaotic to those of us hand raised who are not accountants, who are not um, 
financially inclined, if you will, <laughs> right? So, and that's a means of loving your neighbor as yourself, right? Jesus, when asked to summarize the greatest commandments out of the many, many commandments that the Jews were following at the time, he said, love God, love others, period, right? Accounts love others when they do their work with excellence and love and in service of their clients' needs. That's love. That's loving your neighbor as yourself. It's it. I don't think it's any more complicated than that. Honestly, yeah, it's that simple. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So our last topic is going to be a little bit about your podcast. But first, I want to ask: Have you reached a point in your career or life where you feel like you like have a moment that you're like, "Wow, this made me a success." whether it was personal or career or whatever, or are you still like, I'm not there yet? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a great question. Um, yeah, I have a couple of times. Um, <laughs> you know, for me, it's, it's getting those reader stories, like I mentioned before, which are always encouraging. But maybe the most significant for me, so, so my favorite writer is... Um, a pastor out of New York named Tim Keller, a huge mm -hmm. fan. And um, he's really the one who got me into all this from afar. I didn't know him at the time, right? And uh, when I published my children's book, The Creator and You, this past April, I started getting wind that Tim was like a massive fan of it. Massive fan. He, was a, he actually posted on Twitter, that he and his wife adored the book. Then I got an email from his wife saying that they were giving it to like everybody. And that was a big deal. That meant a lot. Uh, so it's stories like that. Uh, but honestly, it's more the day to day, like just hearing stories from people literally all around the world. I'm thinking of Chassie. I'm thinking of this Indian journalist uh, named Vimey. I'm thinking about... Um, this woman, Jenna, who was in college when the podcast like radically changed her life. Like it's those stories that I'm like, okay, this is success. Like at, at a micro scale, if I change that life, if I change another life, I'm not doing it. God's doing it through me. But if I can be a part of that, yeah, that's the win. Nice. Okay. So I've kind of copied a little bit from your podcast because I ask... <laughs> I asked a question, what- That's how I know I'm a success, right? Flattery, <laughs> yeah. flattery. There you go. Yeah, I asked what um, my interviewees are doing excellently in their job as yeah. accountants, which is most of my interviewees, mm -hmm. and how that can influence others to be better. So I, I really, really like that. But you've actually recently changed your entire podcast to yeah. the name is mere Christian, mere Christians, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, because you did a poll and people didn't care as much about what you thought they cared about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I listen, I, it's amazing what people will tell you, uh, if you just ask customers and your audience. Right. And, um, I mean, listen, the podcast, even before we renamed it was growing really quickly. It's growing faster now, but yeah, we surveyed our audience. We're like, Hey, we're talking about a couple of different things on this show. What do you like most? And it was a pretty overwhelming, pretty clear that they favored one part of the show over the other. And so we just killed the other part so much so that we had to like change the name, like whatever. But I was okay with that because I'm not, I'm not here to talk about what I want to talk about. 
primarily. I'm here to serve the audience. And there, there's a dance there, right? Like, yeah. you know, to quote Taylor, sometimes you have to lead before you get left, right? You got to lead <laughs> a little bit of content here, but um, you also got to listen to your customers. For me, that's my audience, my readers, my listeners. It's critically important to get yeah. I mean, I don't think you can master any craft without intentionally seeking out feedback, even critical feedback on a regular basis. Yeah. Is that what you meant when you mentioned churn earlier? Because I know churn from my tax software, but you, you don't have a software, right? So are you talking about like podcast listening listeners or what? Okay. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. Um, so, uh, I saw you're looking for podcast guests, so I will be applying. I will nominate you go. Apply away, please. <laughs> You know, you've got all these huge, like big wigs from big corporations on there and stuff, but, and then, you know, you have some people that are, have smaller businesses too. So it's really a really cool podcast. I love it. Thanks. We love it. Um, too. I love making it. Yeah. But I guess the old name of your podcast was too humbling for people because they thought the call to mastery was yeah. too much to deal with. Huh? Oh yeah. I remember, um, I really wanted this guy named Rick Mountcastle to come on the podcast. Uh, there was a phenomenal show released last year called Dope Sick on Hulu. It's a true story. It was a drama, but it was a true story about basically um, Oxycontin and the opioid crisis. And um, I, in the, in the show, they talked about this guy named Rick Mountcastle, who is a deputy attorney general in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And they talked about how he was a Christian. And I was like, oh my gosh, I got to get the real life Rick Mountcastle on the podcast. And he didn't want to do it initially. Cause he's like, Jordan, I'm not a master. I'm like, oh my gosh, you took down Purdue Pharma. Like oh, wow. if you're not a master. I don't know who is. Yeah. And um, it was that and a few other guests like that. That was like, we got to change the name and the audience wanted it. And so it was a, it was a no brainer. Yeah. Very cool. Um, all right. So that was the end of my 20 questions for you today. I, I hope I didn't overdo it with the quizzing. Um, There's so much more that I could say. I think one other tip that I didn't mention that I thought was so, it's tiny, but very practical from your book is just disabling the automatic notifications on your phone Yeah. and re-controlling. So I just did that with my Gmail, for example, right? Yeah. And so now the app, instead of the app controlling me, and saying, oh, you have 15 new things to read. I get to choose when I want to open the app and when I want to spend that dedicated time, right? Yeah. And I would argue if you don't do this, it's, yeah, this is not too strong of a word. It's impossible to do truly deep work and to be truly present with your family at home for those of us who have family. Right. Mm. We got to take control over these incoming messages if we want to redeem our time. Yeah, that was really powerful for me. And it's changed a lot about how I operate. I love um, and then the other thing is really just making sure that you're scheduling certain times a day to check your email. So yeah. super simple tips, but so effective. Yeah, good. I'm glad you thought so. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, so what I'm going to do is, uh, I guess, to thank you for being on the podcast, but also to thank our listeners for listening for so long on the podcast. Cause you know, they love these like 10 minute clips, right? Yeah. 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 Um, I'm going to give away uh, one of your books to whoever shoots awesome. me a note. So awesome. uh, email me at CPA at MeyerTax.com, M-E-Y-E-R-T-A-X.com. And I will get an electronic copy or order a paperback for y'all. And 
Um, again, you know, the, the children's book is amazing. Redeeming Your Time's amazing. I'm still trying to wrap my head around the master of one. <laughs> Controversial topic. But I'll tell you what, we get more life-changing notes about that book. Uh, not than any other. I mean, Redeeming Your Time's kind of taken over, but we get a lot of life-changed stories from Master of One. A lot. All right. I'll have to give Wild. it another look. Give it, give, give it a shot. I'm saying something very hard, very different, but people love it. Okay, cool. So again, thank you so much for your time, Jordan. Uh, any other final words of advice for my audience, these accountants out there working yeah. tirelessly? Yes. Oh my gosh. No, I would just say, I know your work. I've seen in my bride for 13 years. Um, your work contributes to human flourishing. You may not think about it like that, right? But your work enables other people to do their most exceptional work. Your work is loving your neighbor as yourself. And thus, it is eternally, I believe, important. Well said, of course, as usual. All right, I'm going to grab a little clip. There we go. I'm going to post that online. And I cannot wait for this to release in a few All weeks. Right. Yay. All right. Thanks again, Jordan. Take care. Jackie, no problem. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Concierge CPA hosted by Tax Plan IQ. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. If you are a successful accounting firm owner or influencer who would like to be on this program, please visit JackieMeyerCPA.com, J-A-C-K-I-E-M-E-Y-E-R-CPA.com to apply. Please share this on social media and rate us so we can continue our good work. Join our Facebook group called Accounting Firm Influencers or connect with me on most platforms under Jackie Meyer CPA. Thanks for being accountable to transforming our industry today.